Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wild Ones podcast, episode 24. I'm Jimmy, this is Francis, and this is the show where we chat about bike stuff. You good? I'm all right. How are you? Producer Emily's here as well. Hi, Emily. Hi. Oh, there she is. Mm. Hello. I'm really distracted by your t-shirt. Why? Because it's amazing. Thank you. For the viewers, for the not for the viewers, for the listeners at home. For the opposite of the viewers. <laughs> Jimmy's wearing a t-shirt, which is plastered with pictures of Bella the dog. And it says Queen Bee. And it says Queen Bee on it. It's really cool. Emily made these. We've got one each. You made them? I think a company in LA made them, but I ordered them off Etsy. Did you upload pictures of Bella together? Yes. But you That's like sweet. built, you built the visual of it using their like template thing, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did, yeah. There's, yeah. Sick. There's like lightning and galaxy... Uh, nebulas behind and three bellas and three bellas mm-hmm. mm. have you heard about the latest really weird doping news in cycling uh, very briefly yes and i'm very excited to talk about it apparently there's a world tour pro trying to blood dope using worms specifically worms used for fishing bait they're also known as sandworms or lugworms and apparently their blood has an amazing oxygen transporting ability so these are the worms that leave, they're all over beaches, like in lots of places in the world. And they have, they leave a little trail of sand, which looks, you know, the little wiggly piles of mm-hmm. sand little on a beach. <laughs> this is those worms. Little sand poops. Yeah. I've actually, uh, the, when I was young, I did go sea fishing once where you like fish from the beach and you have to buy these from like a tackle shop. Is that what they call tackle shop? Bait shop, whatever they're called. And they've got like pincers. They're mad things. Did you use it as blood doping as well? I didn't, but had I known, I'd probably be a world tour prono. It's probably not. I don't think you can just eat them and get the benefits, sadly. It said their hemoglobin can transport 40 times more oxygen than human hemoglobin. Someone's developed a technique to use it for medical purposes, such as organ transplants. But the creator, Dr. Frank Zal, has claimed that they were approached in 2020 by a well-known cyclist who wants to use the product. This is the great, reporting is well-known cyclist. It doesn't say pro cyclist. Could just be a cyclist that everyone knows. Like Chris Hall. Could be Chris Hall. It could be you. Is it you? That would have been if that was the reveal of this podcast and you've been hiding this all that time, I would be so happy. You've just outed me. That would be the most happy moment of my life. Well, I wanted to do well in my Garmin challenge that I've been doing. You're not supposed to talk about that yet. Shh. 
<laughs> You're not supposed to talk about me doping with worms. According to Cycling Weekly, anti-doping controls can detect the hemoglobin from these worms, but it has a short half-life, meaning it's, it's undiscoverable after a few hours. The French anti-doping agency has apparently said that it's concerned about the use of the product. And the World Anti-Doping Agency told L'Equipe it was aware of it, but hasn't caught anyone using it. The moon is very hard to detect. So uh, from my fishing days at the age of seven, I, I remember some very distinct facts about the lugworm. Do you? Yeah, yeah. They can, they can hold their breath for six hours. And uh, I've forgotten the next one. Wait, that. Uh, they're actually holding they're not holding their breath they're holding their water they, they breathe through the gills and right the the other thing that i distinctly remember is that they've got 156 no uh, i can't remember what it was all right i need to read it uh human blood carries four oxygen molecules at a time yeah and this is it and the lugworms can carry 156 oxygen molecules at a time Molecules. Molecules. Molecules, yeah. Molecules. That's kind of a mix between a molecule and a monocle. And a follicle. <laughs> or and a follicle, yeah. I'd like. So people... So, it's horrible. So people are getting these worms, juicing them, creating bags of blood, and putting it into humans. That's mad. I would imagine it isn't as simple as that. There must be more to it. Because I do think... Probably slightly more. This is yeah. the kind of thing that I can imagine now that there's going to be some, like, people that will legitimately go and buy a bag of them from a from a tackle shop, stick them in a blender, drink it, and see if they become, well, convince themselves they're a better athlete. There's probably going to be a startup company in the next six months that do exactly that. I don't think there'll be any negatives to eating, well, other than the horrible taste, and you're eating a worm, which is kind of gross. Well, it might be lovely. Maybe. So apparently they, uh, they don't have antigens for blood types A, B, and O. So you it's can, a so basically universe, anyone it can be used can use universally. Them. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd like to caveat this section with don't do this. And if anyone's listening, this is not something that you should be doing if you want to be faster. Just train more. Volume is more important. Volume's On the volume. hierarchy of training needs, it's right at the pointy end is the worm doping. Yeah. Really small. Really small at the top. So why are you doing it then? Because you're I've you're done all so the rest trained. of the stuff. Yeah. yeah. I go in through all the normal, you know, like, Blood transfusions, Motoman, all that stuff. He's a Motoman. Motoman. What's Motoman? He's like the secret guy that would drop off uh, bags of blood ah. to Lance Armstrong's hotel during yeah. the Tour de France. Got you. Yeah. I'm having a bit of a crisis here, Jimmy. My Coke is fizzing in my hand and it won't stop. I don't know what to do with that information. Please help. Why? So if you see any anglers skulking around the team buses at the next Tour de France, be suspicious. <laughs> Next, we have an update on the Chris Froome bike position story, which we covered last week, maybe two weeks ago. If you missed it, Chris Froome recently discovered that his bike position on his team factor bike was off by three centimeters. A couple of the pros have since called him out as talking crap and making excuses for poor performances. This week, his team boss even questioned the credibility of his claims. Sylvan Adams uh, is in charge of his team and said... Does it sound logical that someone who won seven grand tours is claiming that his saddle position is off by a centimetre or whatever he's saying? Does it sound credible for a guy who's getting dropped, not even on the last climbs of races, but on the early climbs of races? He also said, we've been very generous with Chris in terms of trying to help him, trying to give him the best possible equipment, the best possible conditions. He can talk about his bike position until the cows come home. 
That's still not going to earn him a position on a Grand Tour team. Savage. This is the guy, he's not, um, he's not the DS of the team. He's the money behind the team. So I don't know how involved he is, how often he actually interacts with the, with the riders. That is pretty nasty. Yeah, it's very rude. Uh, presumably from his point of view, he's going, I've spent a lot of money, where's my return? Um, which I guess happens to a lot of sports people. Mm. It's, it's, you know, I guess w- what's unique, I guess, about sports teams is that it's not like working in just like a normal job, even if you're really highly paid because there's like HR and stuff. Whereas in sports, it seems people just, you go like, oh, this person's not performing, so just sack them, just get rid of them. Yeah. And that seems bonkers, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Well, you know, you know, if someone's not performing, they're not performing, but it doesn't feel appropriate just to go boot them out, see you later. Not interested in you anymore. So we had an email after we talked about Chris Room a week or two weeks ago. I still can't remember. Uh, from a guy called Ari, who is actually friends with Chris Room. And Emily did some digging to it. <laughs> to confirm that he actually is friends, friends with Chris Froome, and he is. <laughs> and Ari said he was with Froome when he discover, discovered the position was off, and he was pretty upset of some of the comments made in the media this week. He wrote, I've watched a couple of videos. This is the actual email. I've watched a couple of videos around this story, and it hurts. It hurts because I'm close to Chris, and I was also with him when he realized that there was a serious discrepancy between his new bike and his old Pinarello. I just want to add at this point, I, what that says to me is Chris Froome must have just had complete confidence that what he was given was correct. So he didn't even think to like question it or query it. He's mm-hmm. just gone, well, these are professionals. Cool. There's my bike. Excellent. They know what they're doing. As you would. If you were, oh, I think so, yeah. If you joined a pro, yeah. Like if I would somehow ended up on a pro team, I would assume the bike they'd give me would be correct. What are you going to next season, aren't you, with all your blood doping? He says, I really enjoyed your podcast as you actually discuss the topic and question not just him, but his team, his mechanics, and the World Tour Cycling issues related to bike fitting. It's a thing. Although it may almost sound unbelievable and very unprofessional, this did actually happen and that he took the correct measurements to correct his position only a couple of days after realizing that. Many of these sports podcasts out there find it easy to look down on him, unfortunately. The story is legit. Let's now hope Chris proves people wrong in the coming season. I hope so too. I'll be honest. I don't think it matters if he proves people wrong or not. Realistically, he's in the twilight of his career. He's identified some issues and he's tried to rectify them. And that's what people should and do do. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it seems that he's just in this really awkward position, doesn't it? He's been one of the the best cyclists in the world He's ended up in a different team. He isn't performing as well as he had has done previously for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. And people are struggling to deal with that. I think the reason does matter. The crash is the, was the big moment that really oh, messed him up. I forgot he it had that crash. It took him ages to, and it, like it, it a serious crash. Mm. It's a serious crash, broken bones. And not only is that a physical thing, that's a mental thing as well. Yeah. Like, it, it stops you from being as confident. And in a race, a tiny, tiny lack of confidence can then be magnified by, you know, if you miss a move or you hesitate and don't go with a move because of some something that's happening on the road, which seems a bit sketch and you miss it. And then that suddenly becomes a hour's time gap. So I can see why these, these things happen. 
That is a very good point. I, I do distinctly remember. So I, I had a, a nasty crash where my chain came off on a single speed and I like, I, I basically couldn't walk properly for about three or four weeks. And then I started riding bikes again and I had this paranoia about being out of the saddle for about 18 months. I couldn't sprint out of the saddle. Which do you think your chain's going to snap Well, yeah, because I was just like, well, if I'm in my saddle and my chain snaps and my chain comes off, it doesn't matter. I'm in the saddle. <laughs> um, if I was a professional racer, that would have been me done. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like yeah, that would have yeah, been, yeah. been game over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, yeah, that must have a huge, huge impact on, you know, especially when you get into the, you've proved a lot. You've achieved as much as you possibly can achieve in, in, in the sport at the top level. And then you go, well, maybe you just, you know, you lose, you lose your head. That's it. Losing your head. I want him to do well. Purely from my own interactions with him. I met him outside a cafe in Ripley where it was 2012. Must've been 2012 Olympics. Uh, and he was there with like uh, Bernie Isall, Mark Cavendish, and they, they were the nicest, very accommodating to fans. I was like 17 and like proper handshake and they really took the time and Chris Rooms Ray was super nice in my one interaction with him. <laughs> I actually don't care if he does well or doesn't do well. What I think is important is that people stop thinking they have the right to tell someone that they're crap because they're not doing as well as they have done previously. When what you've done previously has been the best in the world. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? But but even if it isn't the best in the world, you, you st- like it doesn't matter if he's doing amazing or not doing amazing now. If he wants to ride at the highest level and someone wants to give him a ride, then cool. You know, like, leave him alone. And I think it, it, this doesn't just apply, apply, apply it to Chris Froome. It's... It's across the board. We don't have the right to tell people that they are shit just because we think they are. And it is one of the problems with social media and why we don't read comments. <laughs> it's true. If I can add to that, Jimmy, you said about his, his crash because he basically had back pain and that's what ultimately led him to realize that his fit was off. If you've had, you know, he was in intensive care with this crash. If he's then had problems getting back on the bike, he might have thought that the pain he was suffering was a result of yeah, the injury definitely. rather than discrepancies with his bike. I also actually spoke to Henri this morning and another thing that he said was that Froome took his Team Sky mechanic from Team Sky over to his new team and that was kind of his dedicated mechanic. And not- You know you've made it when you could do that. It's like Mark Cavendish taking his, uh, his Oakley sponsorship with him wherever he goes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to wear the same glasses as this team. Sorry. And not that I don't think he's blaming the mechanic at all, but I think what you said, Jimmy, in the fact that he ultimately, it was just assumed that someone had dealt with the position thing. And ultimately everyone felt a bit embarrassed by the time they realized, but Henri was saying he was actually with him when it was sort of discovered. And um, he asked Chris if he was going to make it public about the fact that this had happened. And he kind of at the time suggested that he might just keep it quiet um, but obviously he's decided not to for whatever reason. But I mean, maybe the guy just felt happy that, you know, he'd had a load of back pain and then suddenly felt better. Yeah. But Omri was a very nice guy and he was very um, upset that everyone was being nasty to his mate Chris Froome. So. We asked Henri to ask Chris if he'll come and join us on the podcast as well, didn't we? I did ask that, yes. Stay tuned next week. Special guest. Chris Froome. Chris Froome. <laughs> he did ask where we were based and I said um, Newcastle UK and he said oh well Chris isn't around there he knows him from the south of France and I was like well it's not quite the south of France but great time of year to visit here yeah exactly mm. so yeah Chris Room, obviously you know you're going to listen to this because it's the 
42nd biggest sports podcast on Spotify. So uh, we look forward to seeing you on the show soon. Hearing you on the show soon. What else you got for us, Francis? Uh, what other news? Before we wrap up this, we should mention the news about GCM Plus closing. Uh, this happened after we recorded last week's podcast, so it wasn't included. Basically, GCN announced they were closing GCM Plus, their app, which provides race coverage as well as documentaries. It's fair to say everybody was really upset, including us, especially people outside of Europe, because it's unclear what race coverage will now be available to them. If you're inside Europe, it will be available on Eurosport. In a statement... GCN said it was a decision by their parent group to consolidate race coverage into fewer places. You had an interesting point about this, about GCN being up for sale. Yeah, so there's been some coverage about Warner Brothers. What's the name of the company that owns them? Warner Brothers Discovery. Warner Brothers Discovery, who bought Play Sports Network um, a couple of years back the Eurosport feed or, the, or ultimately the GCM Plus, which comes from Eurosport, is because of that parent company. Um, the parent company has said that they want to sell Play Sports Network. Play Sports Group. So it seems plausible that the reason for closing down GCM Plus is so that they can bring in-house their feed, but also if they were going to sell that business with a feed to Eurosports, I bet it would be... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions. Um, but I believe they've still listed GCN at £70 million. Play Sports Group? Yeah. Okay. And I believe that's based on the 2021 figures that we found was a revenue of £17.2 million, which is astronomical, and a loss of £10 million. Oh. So apparently they, they lost £10 million quid in 2021. And are worth 70 million. It's big money. It is, isn't it? And that's without the feed for the pro cycling. I'm sad about this for two reasons. One, there's a lot of lovely people who work for GCN Plus. I think it's quite a big crew that just work on the app and the documentaries. I know some of them, used to race with some of them, and it's just uncertain what's going to happen to their jobs. They're going to move to something else. Luckily, the main GCN channel has space for other things. Perhaps the documentaries... Because what are they just going to all disappear? Or are they going to be ported to GCN somehow? No idea. Maybe they can do it with like channel memberships and stuff, like exclusive content. But the other thing that's sad about it is a load of people are going to have to start going back onto dodgy websites like steephill.tv to watch all the racing. It's like Steep Hill. There's a couple of others, but there was like ways you can tune into streams <laughs> in like languages you do not understand. Bear in mind, though, we, we don't actually know what Warner Brothers Discovery's plan is for that footage. They, pr they presumably still have the rights to it, and therefore it's probably just going to be on Eurosport. Which Do you will... mean the racing footage? The, oh, yeah. the live racing? Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently there's still, there is a streaming service that you can do through Discovery as a, as a package, which is a lot more expensive than the GCN app. Right. So that's where people are upset. But we also don't know if they're going to launch something separate. They might do something specifically for cycling. They might basically recreate the GCM Plus app, but via Eurosport. Maybe. But, you know, it's, it's too early to tell. Mm -hmm. I guess the biggest potential issue is women's cycling, because a lot of the women's cycling is covered on the GCM Plus space, 
and basically nowhere else. I don't even think it's on Eurosport for some of it. So what we de- we don't know even more so is what's going to happen to the coverage of the women's cycling stuff, which is growing so, so much as well. Why does that happen? Is that because there's overlap with some of the races and they can't Eurosport already allocating cycling to one thing and it ends up being the men's race? I think it's probably because they don't think it's valuable enough. Sad. But yeah, there's there's still quite a while before the first Grand Tours. So we'll see over the next couple of men- couple of months what happens in terms of the, the coverage side of it. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of unknowns and a, a lot of people which have presumably just or in the process of losing their jobs. This is a dark day for cycling. Yes. Now on to our big question. Should there be harsher penalties for cars breaking the speed limit? We thought of this one because it's currently road safety week. On average, five people die on UK roads every day. That is a bonkers stat. I knew it already. But reading it again yeah. <laughs> makes me realize how crazy it is. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Every day. Speed is a contributory factor in one in four fatal collisions. While 92% of drivers agree speed limits are essential for safe roads, one third say they sometimes or often break the speed limit. This is according to road safety charity Brake. 40% think that driving just a little bit over the speed limit doesn't matter. Do you speed? Well, everyone does. A little bit. Yeah, you know, like... I don't. If it's a 30 mile an hour zone, people will drive 35 to 40. Mm -hmm. If it's a 40, people will drive 45 to 50. If it's a 60, people will drive 70. If it's a 70, people will drive 80. Surely that's built into the the decisions for the speed limit. It must be, mustn't it? It must be. Because I have never had a speeding ticket or being pulled, or anything relating to speed. Yeah, same However, way. I don't think I've ever driven the speed limit. You don't think you've ever driven the speed limit? Well, of course I have. I'm, I'm grossly <laughs> exaggerating. You're going to get hate mail, Jimmy. I, I, I'm a passenger in his car a lot, and you do do the speed limit a lot. However... How do I? Yes, you do. Oh, okay. However, there are times. And I would say, if we're being honest, not for Francis, because he doesn't drive. He gets a taxi everywhere. Usually us, we are the taxi. If my taxi speeds sometimes... Does that mean I've sped? Yeah, yes, you're an accomplice. Five points on your imaginary license. Mm. I guess I approach it more from like road safety and hazard awareness. Like if I see a cyclist, I make such a huge effort to show any other cars around me how they should overtake that cyclist. Uh, and sometimes people follow me. So, so when I overtake a cyclist, I will wait until I can literally be on the other side of the road and sometimes they will like follow the line that I take, which always makes me very happy. Other times they'll just go, what's that idiot doing on the other side of the road? And then buzz past the cyclist. Mm-hmm. And I always just want to smash my brakes on. But then I realize that the cyclist would probably get caught, caught up in an accident as well. And that's also illegal. As a passenger, I often look behind uh, after being in, in the car with you. You give them a nice wide berth, the cyclist in front of us. And then I always look in the rear mirror to see or look behind me. I don't know why. What I'm going to do. They go, oh, he's close past I'm going to get out. I'm not going to do that, but. Well, I don't know what I point. You, so, so when I pass someone, oh, you look behind at other cars as well. Yeah, see, see what if they, they do. copy you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think, Jimmy, that if you were more likely to be caught speeding, then you wouldn't speed as much? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Do you think cars should be physically capable of speeding? No, I don't see the point in it. It seems bonkers to me, especially with the technology they have these days that, that like, 
Emily's car is clever enough to know what the speed limit is. Yeah. So why does the car allow me to go faster than that? Because people will go, oh, you're taking away my freedoms and there'll be uproar is why. I don't care. Yeah, neither do I. I don't do care I. about those people. I, I don't want to run over I, I want to be able to ride my bike on a road anytime and not worry that I'm going to be killed. Yes. And is one of the reasons that I hardly ever ride on the road and I choose to ride off-road. In fact, one of the reasons mm. that I basically never commute to this studio by bike is because I haven't found a safe way of doing it. Have you not yet? No. I guess you haven't been there that long. There's still time. Well, yeah. I bet there is a way. Well, the safest way. way, I think I might have even talked about this before, the safest way for me to ride from my house to here... It's a two-hour trip or something. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's doing it in about 40 kilometers rather than about 18. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, it's, it's shameful that the reason that I drive into town is because it's not safe enough for me to get in mm -hmm. otherwise. I feel pretty safe on the route that I take, which is road to go home, which is slightly faster than the off-road. Um, I think we have, you know, I've done a lot of riding in America and while well, their roads are wider and that's great and you're like further away from the cars, the cars are bigger. So that puts me off because I know, unfortunately, I know, you know, I've seen the stats on how much more likely you are to be killed by getting hit by a bigger vehicle. And it's just like a couple of, couple of feet extra on the front of a car is like much more likely to be killed. You're much yeah. more likely to be killed. And just knowing that every time I see a big car, I'm like, oh, you know, don't like it. And cars are getting bigger and bigger. And cars are getting bigger. Yeah. But the roads are still the same size. True. So like where we live, we have country lanes. And if you see like uh, one of them big SUV Land Rover kind of size vehicles, they basically cross the center line just as normal driving. Mm -hmm. They're that big. Yep. It's absolutely wild. Make cars smaller, make them slower. I'm all for slowing speed limits and it annoying people. Yeah. People have the... Um, I've had it argued to me before that you're then not able to maneuver out of situations if you're not able to accelerate faster which seems just counterintuitive because there's going to be less situated. Like on the whole, it's going to lead to far less accidents. Yeah. So it seems a bit of a dumb argument, but that's the kind of, this is, I'm just trying to think of the things that people are going to try and argue. If it was, if, in the, you know, if the government were considering doing this and making it the law that cars could not exceed the speed limit, people are going to argue it hard. Oh yeah, of course. And it almost like, I just can't see it happening. Well, didn't we talked about it previously, didn't we? Wales has introduced a twenty mile an hour speed limit instead of thirty, haven't they? Yeah, I bet they all stick to that. They have, yeah, in a lot of built up areas, and there's a lot of stuff on the motorway where it's fifty instead of seventy for environmental reasons or whatever. But I'm assuming what they think is, if it's twenty, then you're more likely to go thirty. Yeah, yeah. and thirty is a lot safer than forty in terms of if you were hit to hit a pedestrian. But playing devil's advocate, Jimmy, you're saying that you know you don't feel that like the road's safe enough for you to cycle, but then you have a nonchalant attitude to speed in, in, in the same way that lots of people do. So is that not a contributory factor to why the roads aren't safe for cyclists, pedestrians, etc.? Well, yes and no, because if I see a horse rider or a cyclist, then I pass them slowly with insane amounts of space. When it comes to seeing vulnerable road users on the road, I'm significantly under the speed limit at a crawling pace because that's the appropriate thing to do. However, if there's a clear road with that I have very clear visibility of 
I might be a couple of miles per hour over the speed limit. I'd rather have someone overtaking me at 50 mile an hour in their Aston Martin on the other side of the road, completely in the other lane, than someone close passing me at 30. Agreed, yeah. As long as I know that car's there, because sometimes you hear, like if it, an Aston, with an Aston Martin, Ooh. it might be like really loud, and then all of a sudden you're like, doo, 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 and then it's like, boom, and then it's, it's a little bit scary. It gives you a shock. Yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is I think it's less about the speed limit and more about how drivers treat other road users, and that is what would make a huge difference. I wish I could ride on any road in the country and just know that a car isn't going to come anywhere near me or a truck isn't going to come anywhere near me. Well, that would be a separate cycle lane. Well, no, no, no. Well, no, as in like they they can pass me on the other side of the road. By that, I mean, I mean, by nowhere near me, I mean like a couple of meters away from me. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if it's on the same road. It doesn't need to be a cycle path because it's impossible to have cycle paths everywhere because, you know, three quarters of our roads in this country are lanes or motorways. Um, it's just not an option to have cycle paths everywhere. Not that I think we should drive, ride on. I motorways. felt strangely comfortable riding in the hard shoulder of the big I-10 and I-20 roads across America. Because it's so wide. You're so far away. You didn't enjoy the hard shoulder when we were in Spain, though. No. Much narrower. Stressful. And that roundabout I nearly died on. It, do you know what? I think the hard shoulders weren't actually... I think the width of them was fine. It was the fact that when it, every time there was a slip road, we would then have to go f- cross a slip road with cars going <laughs> off at So I think the law there kilometers. is that... what Definitely in America you have to go off the slip road and then back onto the main road again. That, that makes a lot more sense. Which makes complete sense. Yeah. However, we didn't do that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> so there were lots of points of me and Justin, him in a handbike, looking back like, is there a truck coming? No. Yeah, we're fine. Oh, geez. <laughs> but it would have taken us 10 more days to get across America. All those slip roads. Naughty. So should the penalties be harsher for speeding? Yes or no? Yes. It's easy for me to say, though, because it doesn't affect me in a negative way, not being a driver. I think it's, it's less of an issue of whether should penalties be harsher. I don't think really enough is done to catch drivers in the first place. Like there was a last year, there was a freedom of information request that revealed that half of all static speed cameras in the UK don't actually work at all. Basically, they they stop working and they're too expensive to replace. There's definitely one just near my house. Yes, there is, yeah. <laughs> also in a lot of counties, so in County Durham, where we live, there aren't any static cameras. It's only uh, mobile ones, but there's just not very many of them. I just think the likelihood of you getting caught speeding is not very common. They always sit in the same place. Everyone flashes you when it's coming up, so you notice slow down, I think. Which is technically a fa- an offence. Yeah, but people do it, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. So I think like it, it kind of doesn't matter whether the punishments are harsher. I just don't think the... I don't. It doesn't feel to me like it's very likely that you're going to get caught. You're caught if you're unlucky. And then you get away with just going to a speed awareness course. I legitimately feel like it's targeting the wrong stuff. And I, I th- I'm sure there's other countries like Germany that have proven that speed in itself, because their, their autobahns are like unlimited speed limits. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's speed that it's the issue. I think it's how people use the road that is the issue. So are speeding penalties harsh enough? No, but how harsh are the penalties for close passing a cyclist? And 
crashing into people and running red lights and doing all of the other stuff that are really bad. Like that, it, it, have you ever heard of an example of a policeman stopping someone for driving past the cyclist too close? I've heard rumors, but I've never seen any evidence to it that it actually happens. Like road safety is more important than speed limits, in my opinion. But uh, submitting footage of drivers does sometimes lead to them getting prosecuted. I might actually do a little case study on this because mm-hmm. we've got those uh, Garmin Vario, is that yeah, what they're yeah, called? Yeah, lights. Yeah. Um, which have got cameras in them. And I think I might do a little thing. Drive around, drive around, ride around for a couple of weeks. And see what happens. Submit. Presumably, I'm going to get some close passes. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to actively, I'm not going to try and get people into trouble for no reason. But if there is something that's illegal, I'm going to submit it and see what actually happens. Yeah, I got a bunch of close passes when I was doing the testing for the Varia, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, we actually know an expert in this area, Cycling Mikey. Yeah. And he should come on the podcast because <laughs> we could. he could answer all of our questions. He knows, he submits uh, reports of drivers using their phone and close passes and other things as well. Um, he tripped up a guy robbing someone recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's not just cycling stuff, but he's always filming things on his GoPro. But doesn't this feel like all of the onus is on us as the road user to submit this information? Yeah, yeah. Why is there not police out? there's is- not enough police to do that. Yeah, but if they're, if they're out there catching speeding people, I'm sure they can do stuff for close passes and things like that. Probably. I think the focus is wrong. Obviously, we don't want, you know, people speeding 60 miles an hour in busy roads, but... I want to know the stats from Mikey as to how often are drivers prosecuted and what type of footage is most likely, you know, like how, how close does a pass need to be? Under 1.5 metres. Yeah. Yes, but... You'll, it's left to the discretion of the police officer or person looking at it. Yeah. Because you can't measure it perfectly, can you, if it's just a bit of camera footage. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'll ask him. I wonder what the percentage is. Clips he gets of people breaking the law versus do they actually get a fine slash a penalty in some way. So perhaps more to come on this in the future. Mm. Mikey, if you're listening, get up here, Newcastle. See you soon. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Time for another round of overrated or underrated. Francis is going to read a list of things and 
I'm going to tell you if I think they're overrated or underrated. <laughs> I thought you were going to... That was going to throw me off big time. <laughs> You'd have talked about them yeah. and I had to react. Mm. Mind blown. Okay. Yeah. Suggested by Jake. <laughs> Which Jake is this? Internal cable hose routing. Overrated. Also overrated. I believe... But if you want to be Mr. Aero, then I guess it's the way. It, it looks nice. Mm. I imagine it exists because of the whole aero evolution. Uh, it's unnecessary. It's overcomplicated. And I am quite a fan of the classic bike look, to be honest. With external cables. Mm. So yeah, overrated. Cool. Fair enough. I think overrated. Not everybody needs it. It is really nice though. Rob Quirk does steel frames with internal routing. Mm. It's really cool. So it's like classic with a modern twist. My my steel frame has some internal routing, but not in a modern sense at all. No. Overrated. Graphene. Well, if it's on this list, I'm going to say overrated because it means nothing to me. <laughs> it's a material similar in this in a similar area to carbon fiber. Is it? <laughs> I think it's a compound in its own right, which is you it's just, it can be very thin, incredibly strong, incredibly light. Uh there's arguments that it could be used to make bicycle frames and components however it's too brittle in the opinion of rob the carbon expert man who we've had on the channel before so overrated yeah. <laughs> until we know more <laughs> i have absolutely no care that's about it. It that's whatsoever. all that's all the information i know about graphite graphene in one go don't they put it in clothing have i made that up for what i feel there was like wasn't there a base layer there was metier Basically. That, that he used to market for jam cycling, that he doesn't even remember. <laughs> I think a years ago. I think they used to weave it into fabrics because of some stupid reason. Overrated. Suggested by Connor, Oakley sunglasses. Um, interesting. So I would say a couple of years ago they were probably overrated. Then every other sunglasses brand in the world popped up, and now I think Oakleys are probably underrated. Because they are the best. <laughs> they are really cool. They're well made. They, I, I have some Oakleys that I've probably been using for 12 years and they look like they're brand new. Mm -hmm. Good quality. Mm -hmm. um, well designed. Everyone wants to be. All of the sunglasses brands want to be Oakley and they're not. They are iconic. Well made. Expensive, but they're not any more expensive than the other brands around now. No, yep. Therefore, underrated. Yep. Suggested by Mark, hub gears, underrated. There's a paragraph from him here for this. Oh, he says, I think they're underrated. I have a Shimano Alfine eight-speed hub on my commuting bike, and I think they're great. Really reliable, less wear and tear, can shift at a standstill, and not much that can go wrong with them. The obvious drawback is that they're heavy as f compared to derailleur. To Ed derailleur. But the weight doesn't matter, so who cares? So why does this differ from a classified hub? A uh, classified hub is the only hub which you can fit a cassette to as well, in my knowledge, and you can shift under load. So these, you, it, if you've ridden one, then you wouldn't be racing on it. You wouldn't be even be doing like a smash-up ride on it because when you change gear, there's like a clunk and a delay right. and it's not quite, it's not crisp like a derailleur shifter. But it is all hidden away. They're super reliable. The Shimano make one. I think they do a, um, a DI2 one. 
which is quite cool. And they're really, they're great. It's a touring project, though. Yeah, well, commuting, yep. touring, bikepacking, normal riding. Like, just if, if I was to do a ride, we ride together and we don't attack each other all the time. If that was your type of riding you wanted to do, you could do it. If you wanted to do a chain gang with backyard bootleggers, then you'd probably be at a disadvantage and it would be annoying. I think I want a hub gear. Do they do they typically run them with a chain or is it with a uh, belt drive? Either. Oh, I've Either. Want, I really want a belt drive. I want a belt drive. Even if it, there's not any reason to, but yeah. I want one, yeah. Maybe we should explore this further as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think they could be Nick, I was chatting to fantastic. Nick Bike Shop Bike Shop man Nick about belt drives the other day and he reckons he can get hold of something cool. But it's frame specific, so you can't just slap a belt drive on any of the frames we have here. Okay. So you have to get separate separate frame specific for belt drive. Maybe one, maybe one for us to look into. Uh, good, lovely suggestion, Mark. I like that. Yeah, nice it's one. Got Mark. me thinking. Please keep sending in your overrated and underrated suggestions to Well One's Podcast at cademedia.co.uk, and we might read yours out on the next show. Fluff up of the week. All right, uh, there's a couple of parts. To this fluff up. First, I foreshadowed it by drawing attention to this can of fizzy Coca-Cola, Coke Zero, earlier on in the show. I've had it balancing here on my laptop. Like a buffoon. Like a buffoon. Like a buffoon? Yes, a buffoon. <laughs> and I also have the second part to this story is that I'm currently seating, seating? I'm currently sitting on a warmed, what would you call it? Electric seat heater, yep. which is a mat which you can actually plug into your car. I don't have a car, as we know. <laughs> So I plug it into the mains at the studio and I sit in it. It's the closest I get to being in a, sat in a car on a passenger sometimes. And uh, it's electric. And I, I knocked over my can of Coke. It spilled all over my electric seat while I was sat in it. And I was electrocuted. You got electric shock, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't get electrocuted. It's fine. Luckily, I think it's waterproof uh, and Coke Zero proof. So we're, we were good. But yeah. it was a risky moment and I had to clean it up and we had to have a pause from the podcast. And I bet you guys didn't even notice. <laughs> That's how good at editing Emily is. Producer Emily. Employee of the month, if Bella wasn't here. Well, you say that. There's there's another fluff up of the week, courtesy of Emily, isn't there? Actually, Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm second employee of the month this year. What did you do this time? I accidentally put the audio version of our podcast live 12 hours early <laughs> last week. So if you... I mean, depending on where you were in the world, if you got um, the podcast on the evening instead of the morning or maybe in the middle of the night instead of the morning. I mean, I don't know what. In the UK, it's meant to go live at 6.55 a.m. However, technically, this is Jimmy's error because I he tried to get me to do another job and I told him I like to do one job at a time and do it right. Yes. Because I'm the sort of person that starts 17 tasks and doesn't finish any of them. So I try to implement a structure of finish one job, don't get distracted, finish one job, don't get distracted. And I told Jimmy this, I said, I'm in the middle of um, publishing our podcast. Can you just give me five minutes? And he said, no, it has to be done right now. So I stopped and did his job and then came back to it. And the the publish now button changes to a schedule now button if you change the time. And basically I didn't change the time and I went boosh and it, it went live to the world. But I don't think it made a difference. It's, it's fine. 
And this week we are, as you said before, we are number 42 and in the top 50 of sports podcasts on Spotify. So perhaps... It was the greatest decision of the week. Perhaps I am still employee of the month. Yeah, that's fine. I was going to revoke it, but you've just saved yourself. Yeah. 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 But actually, no, because Bella's employee of the month every week. Yeah. Of every week. <laughs> every <laughs> month. Every month every week. <laughs> this is oh, a it's been a long morning. <laughs> it's been a long month week. <laughs> Let's move on to listeners take over. We got a question from Tyne Skipper. Probably not his real name or their real name. How does one go from flat pedals to cleats? I've always used flat pedals, but I've been gifted a road bike that I could upgrade pedals on. How do you learn to use them? I started with mountain bike cleats. Easier, double-sided. Double-sided, super easy to get in and out of. Uh, you can walk in the shoes and in most cases, it's probably a better product. You know, if, if you're not bike racing and you're not planning on doing loads of sprinting, then SPDs is just a, a, a nicer product. We use them a lot, don't we? Uh, nearly all the time. Yeah. Because you can walk around and then we're always jumping off the bike to, um, get, to get camera shots and yep. do backflips and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend SPDs. Not only that, you can get light action versions of most pedals as well. Speedplay used to do one while he probably binned it. Yeah. Uh, you get light action Shimano pedals, you get light action time pedals. So have a look at those. They're easier to clip in and out of. It's, uh, even if you're fairly strong, but you're smaller, it's it's like a weight. It's like a technique and weight thing, isn't it? Like clipping into a pedal can be really hard. So have a look at those options. Uh, in terms of learning to use them first time, you can either be leaning on a wall and try it static. Other good option is try it on grass. If you are going to fall off, you know, clip in, clip out, clip in, clip out. Just keep doing that over and over again or in your park near your house. I, I used to prime myself as well. So if I was, I used to program into my head, if I was coming towards a standstill traffic lights, because most times you fall off your bike because of cleats, it's actually stopping, not a crash. Mm-hmm. So if I was coming towards a set of traffic lights, I would be like, pedals, 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 cleats, 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 and just clip out mega early so that I know I'm not going to get caught in the last second. You taught me to use them, and the phrase was gears and cleats, gears and cleats, as in change down into an easy gear so you're ready to pull off in an easy gear and clip out of your cleats. There we go. There's my message then, gears and cleats. I should get a T-shirt made. And the other thing is on on the SPD pedals, you can can adjust the, the float on them as well, can't you? Yes, however that can be bad for knees and things it worked fine for me and it worked fine for you but i wouldn't want to tell someone to do that because it might knacker their knees or something uh i was unfair to wahoo back then i've just looked it up and apparently they do a light action cleat for use with a wahoo speedplay i have bought the light action cleat from a number of years ago and it was so light it was unusable i yeah for, i yeah it cost a lot of money as well <laughs> however it? though so there was a point where me and emily both used to use speedplays all of the time mm-hmm. And I used to have to wear, I used to basically downgrade my cleats to Emily's shoes because brand new ones, Emily wouldn't be able to clip out of. Clip into. Sorry, oh, clip into, Yeah, I did not have enough weight to clip in. Just getting the weight down is hard, isn't it? I have to use your worn out cleats so that I can have the weight to actually clip into them, which is why we bought the light action ones, but they were were terrible. I wouldn't recommend them at all. They're expensive Mm. and they're too light. I did use Speedplays for the first time recently the other day and it did remind me how much I prefer them to one-sided Shimano slash look slash 
Keo cleats. Because they're quick. I, just, I, I guess I, I've used them a lot over the years, and it's just so easy for me to get in and out of them, whereas you've seen me try to get in and, in and out of the Shimano-style ones, and I'm, like, fumbling around. Because you're used to You're expecting a speed play well, every yeah, time, exactly, and then it's not yeah. there. Yeah. And you have to, like, flip it to get into it. So the amount of times I get to the pedal and I haven't managed to flip it, and then I'm fumbling around. Yeah. Whereas yeah. With, a, with a speed play, I'm just like, bosh, gone. I used to practice getting... Clipping in... I had Shimano pedals when I was racing, and I used to practice getting into the pedals really quick. So when I was racing a crit, like a Hillingdon, I would attack from the gun, yeah. like clip in as fast as physically possible and then attack straight away. <laughs> and then you'd get a little, you'd get away. Sometimes it worked. Stayed away for the whole race. I guess, I guess something to note for this is it is a skill and therefore practice. Yeah. Yeah. Practice in a place where you're not going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. However, Everybody is 99%, this is speculation, everybody's 99.9% likely to fall off at a set of traffic, set of traffic lights. And no one cares. Yeah, and, anything. It, and it'll almost certainly be loads of people at a pub next to you going. <laughs> but it's not too bad because it, you're stationary. It's, it doesn't, it, weird, it doesn't hurt. It, don't be scared it, Yeah, of it. weirdly, it never hurts when it happens. You just go, oh. You don't, I, I never want to do it, but if it happens, you just like get up and you go, oh, I'm fine. Cool. Yeah. I fell off at a set of traffic lights and hit my head on the bin that was next to the traffic lights and that did hurt. Oh, wow. That vaguely sounds <laughs> And also actually. people laughed at me. Oh. oh. But it's fine. It happens to all of us. Please send your questions and other fun stuff to Wild Ones, Wild Ones Podcast at cademedia.co.uk. Before we go, let's finish up with some good news. And this one is from Jimmy. I don't really know how to talk about this. So I guess I do, but I guess I, I don't. I'm not, I have, wow. Basically... We talked about it a couple of times. Matt from Steel Town Music in concert, County Durham. He's made our jingle for Fluff Up of the Week. He's got a really cool guitar shop, which is super indie. And him and his dad started it 15 years ago or something rather. He's actually a drummer and not a guitarist, even though he's a really good guitar tech, <laughs> which I find hilarious. And left-handed, so he plays guitars to check that they work upside, upside down. down. We decided about 10 months ago that we wanted to start a music scholarship and we have the Steel Town Music Scholarship where him and I are funding a young person from concert to learn how to play guitar for absolutely free um, and we have officially launched it. Our first student is a lad called George who was selected uh, by the local school because he had a huge interest in guitar off the back of learning it to play it in a part in one of the school plays um, so what we have ultimately enabled is him to now learn it for the next, well, the remainder of the, um, school year and the focus on it. There's two things. The focus on it is that when he leaves the scholarship, he has the resources to be able to self learn because there's so many of them available now that are free, but having 12 months, 10 months or whatever it is of lessons, uh, to get you to a point that you are able to self-learn is obviously very useful. And also the thing that I think is really important is that it's a space for a young person that perhaps hasn't spent lots of time in, in corporate environments or around business people or around adults, gains a level of confidence over a period of time so that when they go for their first job interview, for example, they can walk into a business with confidence, knowing how to talk to someone, knowing what it's like to be in a commercial environment rather than walking in and absolutely cacking their pants like I did when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, we launched the Steel Town Music Scholarship and hopefully we'll get it formally registered as a, a community interest company or maybe a charity. Uh, there's lots of 
paperwork around charities and we can keep growing it and help more kids, uh, young people uh, in the future. That is an amazing and cool thing. Cool. Well done. Yeah, well, you can give me some money and we can get some more kids into it. How much is it to sponsor one kid? Uh, it varies. Well, it, it depends. We haven't exactly worked out how to do it. It costs about a thousand pounds. Steel Town Music have a music school as part of their school and they're effectively... Uh, so there's a... Matt pays someone to teach people. So all of the lessons that are happening for this is just that person's salary um, rather than there being a cut for the shop. So Matt makes nothing out of it. I pay the extra bit. Um, What we want to do going forward is also get an instrument and an amp and a strap and equipment and a couple of collections of strings so that they can deal with actually, you know, they can come to us without having ever played it before um, and create a structure, which means, you know, if they complete the course at the end, they get a certificate and all of this equipment for free. Um, so it's, it's in the region of 500,000 pounds per student per year. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we can raise some money so we can get some more. And then I'll ho- also hopefully get some relationships with some brands so that they might even donate a load of guitars to us and a load of amps so that that costs less money. And therefore we can put more kids through the, uh, the scheme as well. Very cool. That's 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 what I've been secretly doing over the last 10 months. You haven't been very secret about it. Well, I have. No one else knew about it. I did. Yeah, you knew a little bit about it. So did Emily. That's it. Bella knew. That's pretty secret. And now it's not. That is all for this episode. If you got this far, well done. Leave us a five-star review. <laughs> Follow, subscribe, share, etc. Please help us get to number 41 on the podcast charts because we're 42 at the moment on yep. Spotify. <laughs> Ideally, even higher than 41. That's amazing. Uh, Garrett Thomas podcast is currently number 33. So let's see if we can get close to that. Thank you. Goodbye. We're coming for you, G. Coming for you. But also, we love you. Please be on our podcast. (laughs) Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm